Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Today we continue our series in the book of Acts, Engaging Your World, and how do we engage our world? How does the church reach out into our world and seek to bless people, seek to help people understand what who Jesus is? And uh, so today, the title of the message is Unnecessary, Uncomfortable, But Effective. Unnecessary, Uncomfortable, But Effective. You know, there's a lot of times in our lives when we have to move into a new relationship, a new culture, and we have to kind of figure out what's offensive to the people around us. We have to kind of fit in with the person maybe that we just married. How many of you, when you first got married, you realized, you know what? She wants to make the bed. I think you should just get out of bed and not make it because you might want to get back in. You know, I mean, maybe that's, you have to kind of get along in those kinds of things. It's, It's unnecessary. It doesn't really matter if you make the bed or not, right? It's not in the Bible, I don't think. Um, but it kind of seems it could be a point of contention. Or maybe you're a person that you like to linger after you eat, and you don't really want to go do the dishes right away. But maybe your spouse is someone, we got to get these dishes put up. We can't relax until the dishes are put away. And that's a, that's a godly thing too. That's a good thing. But it's, it's unnecessary, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. But you figure out, how do I get along here? Maybe I need to be do something unnecessary and uncomfortable in order to be effective in my marriage and show my spouse that I love them, that I care about them. Um, You know, one thing that happens sometimes hypothetically in our house is I'll go to take a shower and there won't be a towel because she's washing the towels. Now, I would think that you would put a towel back there when you took a towel away, but that's not how she does it. So I have learned after 35 years, 36 years, that before you take a shower, you should see if there's a towel. Otherwise, you're going to have to, well, you know. So, it's unnecessary. It's uncomfortable. But it's effective to figure this out, right? Our extended families are the same way, right? Because one family, in our, for Julie and I, is that you put all the toys away when you get done playing with them. Makes sense, right? Other family is a little different. They don't ever put the toys away, and you send the kids to bed with Coke and Pringles. Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum, don't you think? Um, it happens in your business, too. You know, I first, my second job, after three years, I was an engineer, and then I became, went into technical sales. And I remember my, I went to work for this company. You know what they did? They required you to be 10 minutes early for a meeting or you were late. It is right. (laughs) They'd like even lock the doors. They're like, dude, if you're not here 10 minutes early, you're late. And they also had this rule that you were supposed to wear a coat and tie to do everything. We're like, we live in South Florida. It's a million degrees. We kind of modified that rule and wore a short sleeve shirt and a tie. We looked dorky, but we were a lot cooler than we would have otherwise. It happens in communities, too. We do things to not be offensive. Uh, we moved to Kentucky back in 1993, 93, 
87, 87. Moved to Kentucky, somewhere in there, 83, 93. Anyway, moved to Kentucky, and doesn't matter. It was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Ah, we've gone off the rails, folks. One week off, Jimmy, and I'm all out of sync, man. I don't know, buddy. Um, We moved to the state called Kentucky, just north of Tennessee. You may have heard of it. And I didn't know this, but UK basketball is like next to godliness. And when you walk in to a restaurant or to a business, everyone's got something. They may have a UK pin. They may have a hat. They may have a jacket. I just couldn't believe. I thought, did you play for UK? Did you go to UK? No, I've never been there. Never been to Lexington. No, never. But I root for them. And it's like godliness. So you don't go in and automatically offend them and go, man, I hope, hope Tennessee wins this week. You know, that would just be like horrible. We do these things a lot in our lives. Yeah, the Vols won yesterday. So if you're a Tennessee fan, way to go. Um, we do this a lot. We figure out how we can interact, right? How we can build relationships, how, how we can know each other without just being offensive, right? We need to be kind of sensitive to this issue. And we see this happening in Acts chapter 16 as Paul and Timothy are about to do something that is, you guessed it, it's unnecessary, it's uncomfortable, but it is effective. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. The word of the Lord says this, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now, here's the setting. Paul, who has become this incredible missionary force to share Jesus throughout the known world, Paul is about to embark on his second missionary journey. He has three big journeys that he takes in his lifetime. And he's about to go from Antioch, and he's going to go east through Derby, through Lystra, through Iconium, and beyond. And he's just parted ways with Barnabas. As Jimmy talked about last week, a, a, a disagreement over some, another leader caused Paul and Barnabas to divide into two teams, which was actually very effective, and they they did a good job of conflict resolution. But now Paul is going off on his journey, and he needs some help. He needs some leadership, and so he, he meets this man named Timothy. Now, Timothy is in this area of Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, and he's probably a disciple as a result of Paul's ministry, because Paul has started other churches Timothy is now a follower of Jesus. He's a disciple. And that's really all a disciple is, is a learner. It's someone who is following Jesus, is on the road to following Jesus. And so Paul meets this, knows of this man named Timothy, and he is the son of a Jewish woman who's a believer, but his father was a Greek. Now, this means that this is what we would call a mixed marriage. This is a religion, two different religions marrying each other. And Greeks were known as Gentiles, and Jews had their own way of living. And so this couple is married, and they have a son named Timothy. And so it's a question of who is he going to be? Is he going to be Greek, or is he going to be Jewish? Because his father was Greek, he probably would not have been circumcised, and that was the case in this instance, is that his, Timothy's not circumcised, 
He's probably aware of Jewish culture because his mother is Jewish. But the other Jews would have seen him as Jewish, yet uncircumcised. They would have expected him to be circumcised, to become a Jew. And so that's kind of the setup of what's happening. Here's Paul saying, this guy named Timothy, he could actually bridge both cultures. He's actually Gentile and Jewish in a way, so he could be an amazing leader. And he's well-spoken of. People know him, and they think that this guy's really sharp. So this could be someone that God is raising up in order to help lead the people of these, this region, of these churches. And Timothy does become a pastor later, as we find out in First and Second Timothy. So that's what's happening in verses 1 and 2. Verse 3, and this is where it gets kind of dicey. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So we just heard two weeks ago about how when Gentiles began to be saved, when God used to begin to move in the lives of non-Jewish people, and we had Pentecost 2.0 with Cornelius, and we see someone actually receiving Jesus who's not Jewish, and God is moving through all kinds of people. And I'm so grateful that he did and still is, aren't you? Uh, that he moves through all kinds of people. He's not dependent upon race or ethnicity. And he moves among these people, and so they have this big council back in Acts 15, and they decide, well, wait a minute. This whole Jesus thing came through us as Jews, and we're supposed to live a certain way, and we're supposed to be circumcised, so... What about Gentiles? When they come in, are they supposed to live the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law? They're supposed to be circumcised. And, and then they thought, well, you know, we know that God has set aside the dietary laws. As Peter had that vision of the, the big sheet coming down from heaven. And, you know, so that's probably not an issue. And really, we know that all it takes to receive the gift of salvation is trust and belief that Jesus paid for my sin, to know that I needed what he did for me. That, that's all it really takes. There's nothing you can add to it. And so we really should not add something else like circumcision and other laws. That they, so, hey, really, you guys don't have to obey all this old ceremonial law. You do need to stay away from idol worship. You need to stay away from sexual uh, immorality. But let's let them come freely. Let's don't add things to make it harder. Let's just make it Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm so glad that's what they did. And so Paul, though, here's what's, what's really odd, right? So they don't, no one has to be circumcised to be saved, but Paul circumcises Timothy. Like, well, why? It doesn't seem necessary. It says he did it because of the Jews in that area. And here's what he means. Had Timothy shown up, as a leader, who had a Jewish mother, Greek father, they would have considered him Jewish, they would have expected him to get circumcised. And it would have been a whole controversy. Instead of learning about Jesus and how the church can function and helping people become followers of Jesus, they would have been arguing about, well, should he be circumcised? Should he not? I don't know. Well, let's have a, let's have a, a big discussion about it. Let's have a discussion over here. We've got to figure this out. And it just would have been a big distraction. It was something, it was unnecessary. It was uncomfortable. But it was effective to have Timothy circumcised. It didn't need to be done, really. 
And it certainly was uncomfortable. And now Timothy kind of transports himself into a Jewish world where he's really probably used to living in a Gentile world. But they did it so that the gospel could move forward. So that people could hear about Jesus rather than argue over circumcision. So when we think about how we interact with each other, we need to think about what can we do that might be unnecessary It might be uncomfortable, but it could be really, really effective. Now, a caveat, though. Notice it was not a sin to be circumcised or uncircumcised. And some people say, well, you know what? I'm not going to act as though I'm like somebody else, or I'm not going to change the way I am just to please someone else. Listen, you need to change who you are to please someone else for the sake of the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I've been all things to all people. To the weak, I've been weak. To the strong, I've been strong. To the Jew, I've been Jewish. Just so that I've got to relate to people so that I can. It's so important that they know Jesus. But don't sin. You see, the Ten Commandments are still in play here. They set aside the ceremonial law, but the moral law, God has to be number one. No other gods before me. Don't create your own God. Don't make a graven image. Don't give God attributes that aren't really his. Hold God's name, God's character with great care. When you claim to be a believer, you should live like it. Don't take his name in vain. Value the Sabbath. Did you hear me? Value the Sabbath. You're like, oh, I don't know what that is. Saturday is. Is it Sunday? What day is it? It doesn't really matter. You just need to have a day when you don't work. A day when you worship, when you celebrate, when you feast. When you rest, the Sabbath was created for us so that we could worship, so that we could take a step away and say, God, I I want to worship you. I want to focus on you. Honor your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. It's really not that hard. And sometimes some fathers and mothers are harder to honor than others, but there should be an honor for those who gave you life. And speaking of life, we need to value life. Do not murder. Do not kill. Value all life. Don't commit adultery. Keep sex inside marriage. Keep sex inside a committed relationship between one man and one woman. That's really the easy definition. You don't have to worry about all these other sexual practices. If it's not between one man, one woman in the context of marriage, then it is sin. It's pretty easy. Don't steal. Don't take things that aren't yours. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth, or as Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. And don't want stuff that other people have and be mad at them for having it. Don't drive down A1A, looking at the houses on the beach, that people are only there two weeks out of the year, that have nicer cars that are worth more than your whole house. Don't sit there and think, I hate those people. Rather knock on the door and see if they'll let you in. No, don't do that either. You'll, you'll, you'll get arrested. Um, don't covet what other people have. See, the Ten Commandments are still in play. We're not changing our colors and saying, I, I want to be like you. We're actually we're holding those up because once we change the definition of sin, we take all the value out of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Yeah, it makes you feel guilty. Some of you say, well, why do I feel guilty? Because you're guilty, in most cases. But the Holy Spirit can take that away and make you innocent.
The blood of Jesus Christ is given for that purpose. That's why, yes, when you vote a week from Tuesday or between now and then, you need to be careful who you vote for. Do they stand for sin being called sin? No candidate's perfect. None of them are. But y'all, life matters. And how that life came to be doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that it is life. And it matters. Definition of sexual activity does matter. It matters. How we handle our children, how we lead our children, how we value the church and the freedom that we have matters. You need to look at your candidates very, very carefully when you vote. The issues matter. Sin matters. We need to adjust our lives in order that we can bless people but never sin. It's easy to find out what won't offend people and to pattern our lives accordingly so that we can be a blessing. So what happened, verses 4 and 5, what was the result? It says, as they went their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. That's the Jerusalem council I just talked about. So the churches were what? They were strengthened in faith, and they increased their numbers daily. Here's what happened. They were encouraged because Paul and Timothy were able to say to them, listen, you don't have to make all these Gentiles into Jews. They don't have to follow all your practices and traditions as valuable as they are in order to follow Jesus. You don't add anything to the blood of Jesus. He paid it all. There's nothing I need to add to Jesus. You don't have to get cleaned up before you follow Jesus. People are at all different levels of maturity. We have to understand that there's nothing we need to add to Jesus. That says they were encouraged. They were excited. And I love that last line. And they increased in numbers daily. See, God adds to his church when his church is faithful. I'm so excited to see so many of our ministries growing right now. And I was fun to be here Friday night, Jimmy, and see 90 kids worshiping. I'm grateful for that. It's fun to go upstairs and see all the kids that are involved in preschool. Today, incidentally, I mean in our, in our children's ministry, today is our family day. It's the fifth Sunday, and so the kids are in the worship service right now. And I'm so grateful for them. They're doing great so far. In just a minute, kids, you can go nuts. But I'm grateful for Erin and for her leadership there. Let me ask you, what about you? What have you done that might be unnecessary, uncomfortable, but effective. I love our son-in-law, even though he took my daughter from us and left us. He was our associate pastor for two and a half years, Greg Davis. And you know, Greg had a heart to reach soldiers. But you can't just go reach soldiers. You need to go to seminary. You need to serve at a church for a couple years. And right now he's on deployment in Eastern Europe. And he's preaching to, to soldiers no one else could reach. Seeing soldiers come to Christ, discipling soldiers. It's unnecessary. It wasn't required. Greg could have been an associate pastor, could have been a pastor, could have done anything. But his heart was to do something difficult because that's where God called him. It was unnecessary. It's uncomfortable. He's been away from his family, my daughter and his, and his, and his daughter, our granddaughter, for about seven months. He'll be back in a few months. It's uncomfortable, but it's so effective. I love that. And I love Julie's story is when she was, she'll tell you, 
um, when she was finishing her master's degree, her friends were going on to get their doctorate in counseling and family ministry, and that was her heart to minister to those. But she said, I don't have a family yet. I could easily just go on and get my doctorate right now. But she said, I need to go have a family. So she left her friend group who were going forward and did go forward and get their doctorates, and, and she went, praise God, and she built a family. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't required. She could do whatever she wanted. It wasn't all that comfortable either. She married me, so there you go. We'll talk later. Um, but she had three babies, which isn't easy either, ladies uh, and men. But um, built a family wasn't required, wasn't necessary, really. It was uncomfortable in a lot of cases, although it's been wonderful, but it's been so effective. I love the stories of missionaries who do the same thing. I was talking to Julie's brother, Jeff, and Jeff's a great, great guy. He has an incredible ministry for many years as an IMB missionary in Spain, and now he leads a large missions ministry for a large church in Kentucky, where they root for UK. Um, and uh, he tells all kinds of stories about adjusting to the culture so that he can reach many. He took a mission trip to Afghanistan, of all places, and he had to grow a beard, which for him was very uncomfortable. If you're not a beard person, it's, it takes a while, and you look kind of scraggly until you get there. And when he did it, though, unnecessary, didn't have to go, but he did. Um, uncomfortable, certainly, but it was effective. They were able to reach people in such a closed nation. And he tells the story of a missionary while they were there that they had a car problem. And uh, the missionary with their, our International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention was there with his wife. And she was all covered up in a burqa like you're supposed to be in a Muslim country. And um, a man came up and started yelling at her. And Jeff and his friends were trying to get help for this car that was broken down. And these guys weren't helping them at all. But some guy came up and was staring at this man's wife. Now, in that culture, if that happens, the husband is supposed to yell at him and berate him and chase him away. And so they were all kind of waiting to see would the missionary do was culturally acceptable or would he just let it happen? If the missionary had done something uncomfortable, he'd learn the language and he'd learn the culture. And he did. He yelled at the guy and got him to quit staring at his wife. And because of that, the culture opened and those guys were able to help them and hear the gospel message. It's a question. Will we do that? Will we do something that is unnecessary, uncomfortable, in order to be effective? What about you? Are you willing to do something that's, you just go, I don't really need to do that. I shouldn't have to do that to reach someone. I, I really I remember we lived in our, up in Wellington, and I had this old boat that was kind of a piece of junk. And uh, I was thinking about getting rid of it, but I, I brought it to the house, and uh, I had to drive over the very corner, the back corner, maybe about this much of my neighbor's yard to get it around my fence and get it hidden in the back of my backyard because you weren't supposed to have boats visible. And it wasn't visible from the road. But I had driven over my neighbor's yard just a little bit. And remember in Florida, when you drive over it five minutes later, you can't tell, right? The next day, the city shows up. We have a violation. You have a boat in your backyard. How do you know that? 
Doesn't matter. Here's a violation. So you know what I knew? I knew it was my neighbor. We weren't terribly close. And I knew that she had called the city on me because I had driven over the corner of her yard to put my boat behind my fence in my backyard. So you know what I did to that neighbor? Well, I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it. I put the baseball bat down. I thought, you know, we, we're trying to reach them, just like we are all of our neighbors. You know, I was wrong to drive over her yard, even though it didn't harm it a bit. I'm sure she saw me. I could go apologize, because I shouldn't have done it. I should have asked her permission. And so I went over, and I knocked on her door. Let me tell you, it was uncomfortable. I said, hey, I just want you to know, I shouldn't have driven my boat over, pulled my boat over your yard the other day. I'm sorry for that. And if you'll just, you know, allow me to get it back out of there over your yard, that'd be helpful. I'm going to take it somewhere and get rid of it. And I'm sorry. And um, she said, very little. But you know, after that, we became good friends. She even came to church service one time. Was it necessary Maybe not. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah. But it was effective. It was effective. You know, Jesus didn't need to come for you. Jesus had all he needed in heaven. He's there with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He's got all he needs. We had sinned. We had violated a relationship with him. And Jesus didn't need to come to earth. It was unnecessary, really. And it was way worse than uncomfortable. But he did. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He willingly died on a cross so that his blood could be effective in paying for my sin. See, that's what Jesus has done for me and for you. And the only thing that's stopping any of us from receiving that gift of salvation, that gift of forgiveness, that gift of making everything right between God and us, is to say, I need that. And I trust you, Jesus, to pay for my sin. He's done what was not necessary, was unnecessary, uncomfortable, but incredibly effective. Did he do it for you? Have you received that gift? Have you received that forgiveness? Today can be your day to be saved and for the blood of Jesus to count for you. Now for each of us, if you've received that gift of salvation, you need to do the same thing for others that Jesus has done for you. There's some relationship you could heal. Maybe there's an apology that you need to make. And you may think of, well, that person, that neighbor, that spouse, maybe, that child, that parent, they've done so many bad things to me, and I've only done one little bad thing to them. And certainly, they're much worse than, we, than I am, and I, can't, I shouldn't go apologize. They've done so many worse things to me. Let me just ask you, is it legitimate to say you're sorry for anything? You know, it's not really required by our culture. 
It's certainly uncomfortable. Oh, but it might be so effective for you to be Jesus to them. There might be that relationship in your family. It might be a child or a parent. You're saying, I just can't stand to be around them. I can't stand to have them in my house. I don't know how to heal this relationship. Let me ask you, can you do something that's uncomfortable? Find a place where your relationship can happen. Could be a coffee shop, could be a park, could just going and making the effort, even though they have offended you so many times. See, that's what Jesus did. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so grateful for the people who did that for me. Yesterday was, would have been my dad's uh, 87th birthday. He passed 20 years ago. I'm so grateful that my dad took me to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Mom and dad both took us to church every Sunday. Was it required by our culture? No. Was it uncomfortable at times? Sundays, you're like, man, I worked all week, and on Sunday I cut the grass. On Saturday I cut the grass. On Sunday, surely I can sit and do nothing. But he did what was uncomfortable, and he made sure that I knew that Jesus was important to him and to our family. Who did that for you? And who do you need to do that for? We live in a culture where it's all about our comfort. It's all about our rights. What do I really have to do? I want to urge you, do what you don't have to do. Do something that everyone would say that's really not necessary. That's something that's a little bit uncomfortable. It could be incredibly effective to help someone connect with Jesus. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry.